Hey guys, welcome to the Emetophobia Podcast. We had a really good episode today. Charlotte Young came on the podcast. She is from Scotland. She's 19 years old. She has dogs. Um, and she's really cool. She's awesome to talk to. I, I'm really glad to have her on the podcast. We went over what it's like to have animals and anxiety, some coping skills, maybe some therapy topics, emetophobia wins, 10-year plan, and then some support from the friends and family. So we kind of got into a lot of topics in this episode. Brings a ton of value to you guys. I really hope you like it. If you do, please make sure to go down below and subscribe and rate the podcast so that we can get further up in the listings and get more people aware of this a metaphobia world. So yeah, thank you so much for listening and we'll get into the podcast. Hey. Hi. Hi, how are you? Give me one second. Sorry, my headphones not working. Yeah, that's fine. Sorry, my room's a bit of a mess at the moment. I'm moving stuff around. No worries, no worries at all. How are you today? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. I just good, ran good. upstairs. I was just putting shopping away. No worries. Yeah, <laughs> we I did I had to run some errands today and I had an appointment and had to go shopping and stuff, so we just got home from all that. So no worries at all. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, um, well, let's get right into it. What is your name and maybe a little background behind you? Uh, my name is Charlotte. I have, I've had like a fear of six since I was like four. Um, mm -hmm. Is it okay that I use words? Yeah, yeah, no problem. No problem. Yeah. I've had that since I was four. I would say I've had like a proper phobia since I was like seven. Mm -hmm. um, and I live in Scotland. And... Yeah, I'm currently just, um, I'm studying art and, uh, well, it's quite handy because I'm like studying from home a lot because um, of the pandemic, because just like leaving the house is quite difficult sometimes. But um, yeah, I've had a, a metaphobia since I was seven and I would say like it's quite bad. Like, I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, well, all right, let's get into this a little bit. So I saw you had a couple dogs. What is yeah. your thoughts on animals and the, how they help with anxiety? I wanted to get into that a little bit. Um, I think like, like, I suppose like for me, I find it really helpful. Um, the only thing is when I get like really worked up, um, I don't want to be near my dogs in case like I get ill on them. Like I'm oh, okay. worried that'll happen. Um, it's really weird. But um, my dog, he like, he really knows like when something's wrong like he'll come up to me and he'll like check that I'm okay and like he can tell that I'm upset so that's like quite helpful as well like he I don't know he just like knows and he's really like receptive to like how people are feeling which is really nice yeah yeah we have a cat too and he does the same thing whenever I'm like in a weird funk he'll like literally come up and start like bashing his head into my side and stuff and like just gives me all this attention that he usually never cares about but it's like only when I'm in those weird moods that he notices that I'm, I'm down or something it's kind of very interesting how animals work for sure yeah uh, yeah do they do they help with your emetophobia or like you said they, they're a little bit rambunctious or something or um no like definitely helpful um especially like you know getting out the house and going for walks and that and yeah yeah sort of for sure just like because I I've always been an only child so like having a dog like sort of like companionship as well and like so, like something to do with your day as well that like you've got do you know what I mean 
Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. No, I get that. So where do you think your emetophobia stems from? Where do you think it came from? Um, so I don't personally remember this incident, but, um, we think this is where it's come from. So when I was about three or four, I went to Tenerife with my parents and we got on one of these little catamarans, like one of these boats mm-hmm. and my mom got really, really seasick. And so did like a lot of people. And I do remember the holiday, but I just don't remember this like one boat trip or what I remember of it. I don't remember any of the bad bits. Yeah. So what happened was she was really seasick and like they were telling her like, get in the water, get in the water, like that'll make you feel better. But she was like, I literally can't. And um, like my, like my three-year-old brain like couldn't comprehend what was going on and was like, like my mom is not okay. Um, or like all these other people as well. So I remember, I think my dad took me away from like that situation, um, but obviously something like stuck in my brain. I also, I, I had a friend that like had a, um, I don't know, a problem with his throat and he would be sick a lot when we were kids, like young kids and mm-hmm. get car sick and stuff and like in the classroom. And I remember any time a kid was sick in the classroom, I was just like, completely like disturbed by this I was like why like why are people doing this and because it happens a lot when you're kids I don't know why um it does yeah I I just remember being like completely terrified and like even when I was like five I remember like like um this 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 friend had been like car sick and they were like my mom was like getting him to come into my room and like you know like try and like comfort him and I was like, he is not coming to my room because he's going to infect like my whole room. And I like, I don't know, like that's not a normal thought process for like a five-year-old, I don't think. Yeah. So it's, it, it sounds like it was probably like built up over the course of a few years. It just started to get worse and worse. And, and you just started to like kind of associate things with negatives. And I think that's yeah. kind of what happened in my situation as well, where it was um, a lot of little things leading up to like one big problem I had where my friend had food poisoning and it was like a big situation where I was like stuck in a car with him. Um, but before that, I remember like little things here and there. And I, I did the same thing where I would almost like tune out the negatives. And then um, later on would like overthink about them too much and be like, oh man, like I can't believe that just happened. And they're just like, make me go into these like crazy panic attacks and stuff. So yeah, uh, it's, it sucks when you're a kid and you like, don't understand what's going on with you. And then as you grow up, you're just like, man, I see where all that's coming from now. Like, it's kind of crazy. So, yeah, I remember I was a very like anxious kid as well, even before all this, like yeah. sort of like, I don't know, like being away from your parents made me really anxious and stuff as well. So that definitely probably contributed to like the emetophobia. Um, yeah. So you said you're from Scotland. What is the, like, um, uh, do you guys have a uh, good therapist there? How, how's like the therapy situation in Scotland? Um, so we've got the NHS, the National Health Service. Um, so you go to your doctor and you can be referred and it doesn't cost you money. But the services are really limited. Like they're mm. not great. You can go privately as well, but it's so expensive. Um, so yeah you'll you'll speak to your doctor and the waiting lists like it's because I I went to therapy first when I think I was seven and I've been going on and off for like my whole life but the waiting list can go like from quite short like like a month or two to like over two years like I remember there was one time I waited for over two years for therapy 
and like when you're like really really anxious you just feel like you can't wait but also they have a sort of like hierarchy of risk so but anxiety people don't see you as high risk so they think oh like yeah you might be struggling a lot but you know you're you're not like there's no risk to your safety usually sure so um you're often put like lower down on the waiting list than like people that are deemed more high risk um and so I've done yeah I've done NHS therapy a couple times there's a child adolescent mental health services called CAMS um which is like up to the age of like 18 and then you end you go into the adult services um and you get allocated somewhere like between six to 20 sessions like at push 20 it's usually like six to 12 mm-hmm. um and they yeah they kind of just use cbt a bit of exposure um it's it's the main things like there's there's not um, pretty generalized though it's not like yeah. very specific yeah no there's no i i found a lot of therapists don't know what emetophobia is mm-hmm. um especially like on the nhs they don't really know what it is i hear that a lot yeah it's it's same thing with my situation i went to go see a therapist and she when i um when i was seeking a therapist she actually told me that she knew a lot about emetophobia and how to deal with it and then when i went to see her it seemed like she really wasn't too like caught up on it at all and she just kind of knew the definition but not really what like came along with it and so as i'm explaining things she's trying to just kind of like you know, push them aside a little bit to be like, let's get down to the deeper roots of things. And I'm like, no, I know what's going on. Like, I just need help figuring out my day to day, man. Like I can't get in my car and go to work anymore. Like this is a problem. So that was where my biggest problem was. And so it's, it's very hard to find a therapist who can kind of get on your level. And that's, I just wanted to make sure, like, uh, see if there's anything different between like our therapist we have here and something that was different in Scotland, but sounds like it's about the same. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Um, I've tried I've done a couple private things I've tried like NLP um, which is neuro-linguistic programming I've tried hypnotherapy that was the most recent thing how did that go I've heard a lot about that it was I'm not sure so I don't know like how I feel after it like I'm still I think because I went on medication at a similar time the medication seems to be having more of an effect than that. Mm-hmm. Um, but the way he spoke about like sort of rationalizing being sick was like really helpful. Um, and then a lot of it was quite long, like going through a hierarchy, but instead of actually doing the tasks, it was more thinking about the tasks, mm-hmm. which I think I'm more of like a practical person. Like I feel like I need to do them over and over again to really like get it to stick. Yeah, no, I get that. Um, have you ever had any exposure therapy happen? Yeah, I've had, I think, two lots of exposure therapy. Did that um, work for you or was that a little bit traumatic? The first one, I think, worked quite well. That was when I was about 12. And although at the time I couldn't see like a huge difference day to day, it was probably like the uh, like the couple of years after that was probably the best years for my emetophobia. And whether that was coincidental or whether that was because of the exposure, I'm not like a hundred percent sure, but um, I had quite a good therapist at that point. And uh, the tasks were like quite good what we were doing. Um, but then I did, I had to sort of like CBT exposure kind of mix 
mm-hmm. more recently. And I didn't enjoy that experience because my therapist wouldn't stop going on about the fact that I wasn't going to complete it if I wouldn't make myself sick. Mm. And I just, I was like, I'm not going to do that. Um, like, I just like won't do that. Um, and I just feel like I didn't, um, I didn't, I feel like I should have done just like more and more of it, which I'll probably do like by myself in my own time. But um, yeah, I just felt like it went a bit too quick and a bit too high up the ladder too quickly, if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. Need a little bit more of like a, a a period of comfort first before you get into something so crazy. No, I get that. And I always thought about that too, about exposure therapy. I'm like, cause uh, I talked to my therapist about it and we had gone over it, but I kind of did more of like a homework situation where I did it on my own. And there's like some videos on YouTube that you can watch that are like entitled exposure therapy videos. And you can kind of go through the, the levels. That's just what I did over the course of a couple of years. Um, but she was also saying the same thing about how like the, the end result is to kind of get you to like be sick one day and be comfortable with it. And I was just like, I, I just, I'm not ready for that. Like, I'm just not even, no matter how comfortable I get with these videos, I just don't know how comfortable I'm going to be with that. I almost just need to like have it just happen naturally, I guess, but it's still so scary. I'm, I think that's, what's been difficult though, is coming to terms with the fact that it might happen. And then reassuring myself that it's not going to be the end of the world if it does, you know, it's like, it's part of my body. It's part of things that happen in this world. It's, it's bound to happen one day and I have to be ready for that and just accept the fact that's going to happen versus being afraid of it every day. That's kind of my difference now in thinking. So it's very different. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if you know, Anna Christie, she has a, a metphobia podcast as well. Yeah. She yeah. talks about, um, you wouldn't make someone that's, of getting in like a plane crash you wouldn't put them into a plane crash like that's not your that's not your final destination so like you're not gonna and like no one no like normal person would choose to be sick so I think I think it's just being okay with it if it were to happen rather than forcing yourself to do it I'm not really sure no, it makes a lot of sense. It's, it's just the reassurance. You know what I mean? It's just being comfortable with the uncomfortable. That's, I, I try to teach that to everybody who comes after comes in and messages me on the, on the platform and says anything about like, you know, I'm having this like a metaphobic day where everything's been really tough today and I don't know what to do. And I'm like, this is those days where you have to be comfortable in the uncomfortable. It's really difficult to do, but in the long run, your anxiety will get like better and better if you just can try to like kind of just sit in it and just be aware of it and understand that it's there and then move on and be positive in your brain with it. It's tough. It's a very tough situation to deal with. Um, how has your emetophobia been affecting you nowadays? Um, so I had, um, I was doing quite well, like for the past few years, it's like always been like there, um, like quite big in my life, but I came off medication in the summer and like slowly it was getting worse and worse and then I found that like I wasn't able to eat properly I was just panic attacks like all the time um like like really struggling to leave the house and then I went back on medication I'd say like November time and I've like noticed a huge difference and I've also just finished hypnotherapy as well so it's maybe combined but I'm not sure um but currently I would say it's like going going out being away from like safe people I don't know if you have safe people but sorry yeah um I have like people that I feel like okay around and then if I'm on my own or if I'm with different people I feel like really anxious like if something happened or 
I don't even know like I'm just like I don't feel okay so I have sort of safe people and then I have like my house is also a safe place and I've got sort of like a I don't know if you have like a zone and it's like there's like a distance that you go and once you go past that distance that's like where it's like really anxiety provoking because you know it'll take however long to get home whether yeah. that's like a yeah. walking distance or a driving distance um I've got that and I just feel nauseous like all the time that is that's my main thing I just feel nauseous all the time and it's just so annoying mm. um I feel like you think that would be like enough exposure because you feel it like every day but it just you never seem to get used to it and it's so frustrating um yeah it's tough tough. mostly those things yeah yeah i i had the same thing where it was like um every time i had to leave the house to go hang out with a friend or anything it was always just like all right man we're gonna be fine everything's gonna be good and then as soon as you step out the door i'm just like oh shit like i'm getting real nervous now i'm getting real anxious and then as we get in the car it just gets worse and worse and worse and to be honest with you like over the years i'm not really sure how i became more comfortable with it it was almost just like um I just kept pushing myself and pushing myself to do these really uncomfortable things. And eventually I started to almost focus on my life more than the emetophobia, which was maybe a running away tactic in a way. But at the same time, um, I have filled my life with so much busy work all day and night that I don't even have time to focus on the emetophobia anymore. Cause I'm like trying to run businesses. I'm getting into NFTs. Now I'm getting into um, the podcast. I'm doing the website. I'm trying to keep up with messages. Like I have been so busy doing stuff that I just, I'm like, I don't have time for the emetophobia anymore. And if it even starts to creep into my mind, it almost um, comes in as like a funny situation. I'm like, wow, really? Like this is really trying to affect me again. Like this is, this is kind of hilarious. Cause I, I feel like I've beaten it already. Um, but it, it, no matter how far along you get in it, it always feels like it comes back a little bit. And that's just what, it's all about that mentality of saying, it's okay. It's here. I'm acknowledging it. It's fine, but I'm not going to let it affect my day. And I'm going to move on from this. And I'm just going to keep doing what I was doing. And I think eventually it really does get better. It just takes some time for sure. It's, it's just difficult stuff. Yeah. I definitely have times like where it's, it's more there and it's less there. And I would say like now I'm sort of like in the middle where I am like challenging myself a bit more and going out by myself but I I don't know like sometimes I look back at things I did when I was younger and I'm like how did I even do that like mm-hmm. you know like travel like hours away from home on like a school trip for like a couple of days I'm like how did I do that um but um there's things that like I'm doing now that I would probably think that like a couple months ago or a couple of years ago so I'm definitely, I'm not in the worst of it, but like, I'm not in the best of it either. I'm just kind of like in the middle at the moment. I think Um, the mindset there too is a big deal because um, thinking about it that way of the, I can't believe I did something like that versus the thought of, Hey, I fucking did something like that. And that's really cool that I I accomplished that. And that's really positive. I think it's um, a lot of times it's the out of control feeling. And then the trying to make things into negative, um, thoughts in your brain. And it's really just changing all of those into positive thoughts. Cause you're, you're like, I've said before, your mind is like a muscle. So you're always trying to train the mind to think differently. And if you're always thinking negatively about everything you do because of the emetophobia, then everything you do from then on out is going to feel kind of negative and scary because of the emetophobia. So if you're almost like, like I had a, a girl on the podcast yesterday who went to the doctor for the first time in a very long time. And she said, she just felt amazing. Cause she's like, you know, I haven't been to the doctor. I've been so afraid. I did it. I actually conquered my fears and did what I wanted to do. And now it's like helping her to get past that and to go to do new things that are scary as well. So um, definitely a mindset thing too, of, of thinking a little bit differently about stuff sometimes can help. Yeah. 
Yeah, definitely. I think another thing is a lot of, I don't know if you have a lot of safety behaviours, I've got a lot of them and sort of the, the more you do the safety behaviour, the more you're training your brain that is like, I have to do this thing because being sick is scary, but if you don't do it, then well, being sick's not scary because you don't need to do anything to prevent it sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And you're just kind of like training your brain one way or the other. Yeah. So um, that's a big thing for me at the moment, just trying to like cut down on those a lot. What are some uh, coping skills you've picked up over the years with the metaphobia? Like, how do you deal like with helpful it? Helpful ones or unhelpful ones? Let's go both sides. <laughs> so, well, unhelpful is I've, I don't know. I've like, I've researched like everything. I know like the hand gels that kill norovirus and I know I've got like anti-sickness tablets that my doctor gives me and um, like chewing gum, ginger, icy water, like sea bands, like everything. Yeah. Um, and then helpful, I would say, yeah, sitting with it is a big one. Just like letting it pass um I've I've got like the sort of like the you know like the tapping and the five things you see four things you um can touch I think three things you hear um so all these sort of like mind games sort of things which I again I'm like are they helpful are they not helpful um and sometimes I don't know I just go through phases where I just don't feel like I need these things and sometimes I do feel like I need them and I'm not sure what is behind that because it doesn't always feel like there's a difference in my life between the good times and the bad times so I'm like why is this a good time um but yeah I think the main thing is like sitting with it reassuring myself that like I have felt this like a million times before and like nothing has ever happened or very rarely has anything ever happened and you know I felt much worse than this but I, again like you know I know I know that I'm okay sort of thing and I, like I say I, I'm at home I'm like well I'm at home like nothing bad can happen you know I'm just sitting in my bed like kind of reminding myself where I am and that I'm just sitting here you know if that makes sense yeah they call it mindfulness that's a big one I try to teach people too is just being yeah. in the moment right now and saying like how do I feel why do I feel this way um, how can I change this mindset to a more positive mindset? It's just being in the moment all the time instead of thinking about the future or the past. Because when you think about what's going to happen, what if, what if, what if all the time, then you're constantly in this state of anxiety and it just never goes away. So it's, it really is good to kind of just think like, I'm going to be in the moment. I'm on my phone right now. I'm just hanging out. It's everything's fine. My uh, emetophobia is not here. It's going to be okay. Like, you know, it's just really trying to think about yeah. those things. Yeah, definitely. And I think as well, like challenging yourself like say to eat a new food and realizing that nothing happens it's so much more rare than we think it is if that mm-hmm. makes sense yeah and yeah what are some emetophobia wins you've had lately like something that happened that was just like really awesome that you're like hell yeah I'm glad I did that um well yesterday I I do wood turning which is a bit niche but yesterday I was like feeling really nauseous and I almost cancelled and then I was like, no, I'm like, I'm going to go out anyway. So I did that. And like, I came away with some, like a new bowl. And I was like, oh, like, you know, if I hadn't gone, I wouldn't have got that. You know, I wouldn't have completed that. And, you know, I'm working towards a portfolio yeah. at the moment. Um, and I'm like, well, that's another like 
went towards that. I also, I've, I've been volunteering for like a women's group um, mm-hmm. and just going out there like every week, getting the bus by myself, like, you know, and I'm okay still. And like, I can stay there for a few hours and it's just like a really chilled environment. And then I get the bus home and I'm like, I just did that just by myself, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Those Probably, are like, serious stuff too. Yeah. I mean, it's not like to some people, it's a really small thing and to other people, it's really huge. So it's just, yeah. yeah. That's what, that's the whole being comfortable in the uncomfortable. Just keep doing that every day that you can. Like every time your mind tells you, I don't want to do this because it's not comfortable just try to push yourself through and just think as positive as possible the entire time. And eventually you're training your mind every time you do that to just keep on that positivity train all the time. Like it's, it really doesn't go because now it's like my daily routine is just get up, go to work or get up, do all my stuff at home. Cause I, I work at night now. So I have a lot of like daily stuff I do with the podcast and everything. And then I go straight to work and I don't have to think anymore about like, Oh man, like what if I get nauseous on the car ride to work or what if, what if, what if it's just like, I'm going to go to work and I'm, it's the same thing every night doesn't change. And I've also changed my diet so much now that it's so consistent with, cause I'm, I changed over to veganism. So I'm doing these smoothies every day. It's always fruits and vegetables. I'm just like, this stuff cannot make me sick. Like there's just nothing about it that could ever yeah. make me sick. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I remember I went vegetarian, I think, when I was like 15. Yeah. And then I, yeah, I don't drink milk anymore. I've tried like oat milk is so much better. And yeah, I do oat milk too. Oat milk's really good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that in a way is reassuring because you go onto these support groups and everyone is posting pictures of their chicken that they've just cooked. Mm-hmm. And they're like, is this safe? Like, does this look cooked? And it's, it's like, oh my goodness, not another one. But um, yeah, I don't have to worry about that um but yeah do you like those support groups or do you think they're kind of a sham in a way um I I I struggle I'm conflicted with them I think in some ways they're really great and it's really great to see that there's other people out there and like to share experiences and that but often they get turned into like I don't feel well someone help I don't feel well someone help and Mm. you know not everyone has like a support system at home maybe or not everyone copes with it in the same way, but it can be really frustrating to go on or like get triggered as soon as you go on there. Or I don't know, I, I see some like, like arguments on these support groups as well about just random things. And it's like, like my emetophobia is worse than yours. And it's like a competition <laughs> now. I'm like, it's not yeah. a competition. We're all here to try to help yeah. each other, man. Like, yeah. Or like arguments over like bleach or just like cleaning <laughs> supplies. I'm just like, oh. Yeah, yeah. No, I get that. No, I've, I've have a couple on my Facebook that I follow as well. And like, I had to just get myself out of those. Cause I was like, this is not helping me at all. And I don't really know what to even post about my own self. Cause like, I'm, it seems like everybody's very stuck in what they're dealing with at the moment, instead of trying to make it better for themselves, which like, I'm not trying to shoot on these groups. If it's helping people, then please do that. But at the end of the day, like for me, it just, I'm trying, I'm like more on the self-growth type situation versus being like, I ate some, uh, you know, expired, crackers am I going to be okay and I'm just like I'm good it's just it's fine everything's gonna be fine like people eat expired things all the time and they're fine like I just it's all about that so yeah I I kind of don't try not to look at it very often because I don't know I never feel good after looking at it so um I do like I sometimes I'll share like if I make like a video talking about a metphobia or something I'll share that on the group and people will like ask questions or whatever but yeah I don't really I, I, I try not to ask like reassuring questions as well because I know that's not helping me 
like mm-hmm. that's that's just kind of putting me more in in it than actually helping me to think about things rationally I need someone else to rationalize it for me and I want to be able to rationalize it myself if that makes sense yeah, yeah I, I went to go share my podcast on there and I got blocked from one of them and I'm like I, they're oh. like no no advertising at all and I'm like I'm advertising something very helpful though I feel like I'm not trying yeah, to be malicious I'm here like very Jesus. related to yeah. that phobia so I just that's what really irked me the first one and then the second one I was in it was all people just talking like that so I was like yeah this is not for me so but so how do your friends and family take your emetophobia do they support you with it were they very misunderstanding or how did that go for you um so I well like when I first had it I was a lot younger and I didn't I don't think I knew what it was and I don't think my parents did either um and then we we figured out like like I'm scared of being sick and then eventually I found out oh there's a name for it and other people have this um my parents are very supportive um you know like they try and like they try and like push me to go out to do things but they never push me like past my breaking point if that makes sense and they're very supportive like they will they will help me and take small steps um it's like for example getting back on into classes on my course like there was like a little bit where I was just like I don't think I can get the bus in and like my parents literally drove me like every day mm-hmm. like to my classes and like I don't think a lot of parents would do that um and it just like yeah they're very supportive in that way and they they're like I, I've explained a lot to them so like they do understand it I think and uh yeah so like sometimes they'll say the odd thing that's like oh like oh I wish you didn't say that but I think everyone that doesn't have a metaphobia has heard someone say oh like no one likes being sick well it is a fact like no one does like being sick um and sometimes it's like difficult to hear certain things but yeah Yeah. they're really supportive and my friends like some understand more than others some are really understanding and some have like really gone out and like looked up and done research which is like I really appreciate um and I have other people that just don't get it at all but yeah I don't expect everyone to get it right yeah I have a couple of roommates too and they uh sometimes it's just it's not it doesn't like trigger me or anything but I think just people are a little bit more ignorant towards the subject where they just don't understand what I'm even like yeah nobody wants to be sick dude I get that like whatever and then they'll just still talk about it constantly or like say something about like yeah that just like because I I was cooking some kale chips the one day or whatever it was like my other roommate came in and she's like and she just told me this very graphic story about how she got really sick all over the table one time eating broccoli and it smells like broccoli now and she's going to be sick and I'm like okay like cool yeah, what yeah. Did say? like I don't know. sorry that sucks like I'm I, I, whatever but it was just one of those situations where I'm like you know I have this thing but she just they don't get that that it's that like touchy of a subject for me which nowadays yeah. it's not I mean I can handle talking about these things and it doesn't really bother me but at the end of the day it's like just being a little bit more comfortable around me with those kind of things sometimes is yeah. very nice you know but I get a lot of as well like especially when you first meet someone and or like if the the topic comes up and they don't know about it they're like oh yeah I'm scared of spiders or like oh mm-hmm. I've got that like tripod phobia the fear of holes or whatever and I'm like I don't think this affects your life in the same way that emetophobia does like maybe it does I'm not going to assume but I think it might be different yeah. yeah or you'll get the well yeah I don't like that either that's I might have emetophobia and I'm like I don't know. I, I mean, you I, might, like, I but... think you would know if you had it. <laughs> yeah, I was like, yeah, you would have been like researching this stuff because like this has ruined my life for the last 10 years. So it's like one of those yeah. things where, yeah. And uh, when you do explain it to people, what do you say to them when you try to explain this about yourself? 
Um, it really depends on the person and like what relationship they are to me and the situation. Um, if I'm really trying to get across, like I try and explain that like, like this is like, this really does affect me. And like, I have panic attacks because of it and like anxiety sort of, I'm, I'm currently in the process of trying to get diagnosed with OCD. Um, mm-hmm. So we'll see how that goes. Um, but I w- wouldn't say I have it at the moment because I don't know, I don't have an official diagnosis. But um, I yeah. say like, you know, that like this really does affect my life. And like, I try, I have this like weird explanation that's like, imagine you're terrified of going on a plane and you, every time you feel nauseous is like someone putting you in an airport and saying, you might get on a plane. We might throw you on a plane, but we're not going to tell you. And Mm. then you never know whether you're going to get on that plane or not. And like, you know, like some people really freak out when they go on a plane. Um, And like, yeah, I just say every time I feel nauseous, it's like someone is putting me in that airport and telling me you might go on a plane. It could be. And they're like pushing me towards the gate. And you're you're like, oh, my God, I don't don't want to go on there. It's so like so scary. And then eventually you'll like leave again and you're like, oh, oh, I'm fine. Um, But yeah, I kind of explain it like that. It's a very weird way to explain it. I've always explained it in the way of like, Imagine having arachnophobia, being deathly afraid of spiders and everywhere you walk in the world, it feels like someone's about to pour a bucket of spiders on you all the time. That's kind of what it feels like. It's like, no matter where you go or what you do, something could either happen around you or it could happen to you at any moment. You just have no control over anything. That's what's always so scary about it. It's hard to explain sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. I think as well as like most people that have a fear of spiders, they're not constantly thinking, is there a spider in the room? Whereas when you have a metphobia, you're constantly thinking, is someone going to be sick? Am I going to be sick? Do I feel nauseous? Like, uh, is there anything that could make me be sick? Do you know, it's part um, of your own body. That's what's so scary. It's not like you can get yeah. away from it. You know, it's like it's yeah, there that's all the, the thing time. Is like you can't escape it. I I think ninety nine percent of other fears you can escape them. You can avoid them. Like, if you're afraid of heights, you don't have to go up a tall building. You don't have to, you know. But if you have a metaphobia, there is no way of getting away from this. Like. It's very and, similar to the fear of dying. You know what I mean? Like the fear yeah. of dying where you're like everywhere you go all day, you almost have to like plan your day out. So you're like, all right, I don't, I could die from that. I could die from this. Like that person could do this and then I could end up dying. Like it is really yeah. that like thought process and it, it kind of comes down to rituals all day. It really is a ritualistic type of disorder yeah. for sure. Yeah. yeah. I think that's why so many people with emetophobia get diagnosed with OCD just because yeah. it's so ritualistic and because you're, you're checking dates you're cleaning things all the time yeah it's very it is ocd yeah. related for sure yeah yeah definitely how did you um actually find out about your metaphobia did you just one day look it up online or i don't know if i have a specific memory or if i've made this memory up but i think when i was like 11 or 12 i i was like i looked up fear of being sick and it came up with a name and i was like oh like a metaphobia this has a name um and then ever since then I just sort of you know looked up a little bit more and like definitely over the last few years there's a lot more resources on emetophobia and a lot more information out there so do you think that made it better or worse for you when you learned about it I don't know um because it was so long ago I don't really remember before or after learning about it um I think sometimes when you learn about it you really internalize that that's the thing and you've got that and you know but mm-hmm. I couldn't say I don't really remember yeah no on the other hand though too you've also got the fact that um 
now you're not just a crazy person who thinks they're going to be nauseous all the time. You're like, Hey, there's yeah. a, this is a real thing. Like I'm actually a part of this like weird group of people now. Like this is interesting. So yeah, that was what I, definitely, me a lot. I definitely think there was like a long, like up until maybe the age of like 15 where I didn't really tell people about it. Cause I was just like so embarrassed of it. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, I just kept thinking more and more like, you know, there's other people out there that have got this. This isn't so weird. And I'm, just, I'm not even embarrassed of it anymore. I don't, I don't really care. I'm just, yeah. Yeah. I like talking about it, to be honest. So do I know. <laughs> not it, enough it people me, know about yeah. it. Yeah. It's cool. It's really cool. Like raising awareness because like, uh, for instance, on my Instagram, I get a ton of DMS on here now about just like either. I didn't even know what this was for so long. And like, I've just found your podcast and now I'm like finally learning that I'm not like just this crazy person and all my family thinks I'm crazy, but now I can finally show them like, this is a real thing and it's actually happening yeah. to other people. And so I, it's just been like super exciting to be able to, cause I've been, I've been alone in this for 10 years. Like I didn't even know anybody else really had it. Like I did, had no idea. Plus I'm a guy and this is a very yeah. um, like woman centric thing that seems yeah, to happen. It is. There's a and, lot more women. Yeah. So I've been, I've been, meeting a lot more men that have it lately and it's been kind of interesting to see like you know it's a very small population of men but still it's men who I think are becoming more vulnerable and saying like yeah I I definitely have something wrong with me and it's something I want to get out because if you just hide it and just keep it deep down it just gets worse and worse and worse and so that's what I've been trying to explain to people is like you got to talk about it you got to say something yeah why do you think why why do you think it's um mainly a woman uh thing like why do you think it happens to women so much more than men don't know I think maybe like a little bit of like how we're conditioned to be like like women have to be like give off this like good front and you're like worried that being sick will embarrass you more whereas men are like less embarrassed about these things so that's like yeah. one thing I think but yeah I'm not really sure what it is to be honest i've been trying to figure that out for years when i when i talk to people i'm just like why does this happen to more women because my my podcast has like statistics on it and i think it's right now it's like 89 percent women listen to my podcast and it's like barely any men at all so it's it's very small population of men that have this thing so yeah it's really interesting yeah i know i really i really want to figure that out yeah i'm having a I'm having a doctor on on Friday. Um, I had uh, Dara Lovitz on and her doctor, David, is coming on on Friday to answer some questions and just kind of sit down for an hour. And we're just going to like, you know, have a little conversation back and forth. So I'm definitely going to ask him that question and see if he can get kind of yeah. the bottom of that for me, because I'm really curious as definitely. well. To figure out. If you have any questions, too, definitely send me some in the DMs and let me know what you want to ask him, because it's yeah. he's going to be on here for an hour. So I'm just like, I'm going to get you as many questions as I possibly can before we get. Yeah, I've got a few so. like really specific random questions that i'll send you but yeah that'd be cool yeah good deal good deal what's your um next like 10 year plan what are you going to do with the metaphobia what's your life goals what do you got going on next 10 years um well i will hope to graduate from uni um do something with art something with people like maybe like art therapy or something i don't know i'd like to have my own like little business as well like to do with art um yeah, I think I just want to keep challenging my emetophobia and just I want to get to the point where it's not getting in the way of everyday life where I know that I could deal with it or, you know, like if I'm still scared of it, it's like it's like a fear of spiders where, you know, it's just there sometimes it's not or like I can sort of handle. I know that I could deal with the situation if it was to arise mm-hmm. um, and just yeah not let it interfere with like everyday life I think that would be the main goal 
be good. Deal. good. good deal. Thank you. It's really exciting. Well, um, where can people find you at? Um, I just started a YouTube channel. I don't know Did if you? I'll keep that going. I've made some videos on emetophobia. It's just Charlotte Young, my name. Okay. Um, on Instagram, um, it's underscore Charlotte underscore Young, and I've got like a art Instagram that's linked to that as well. Um, sweet, sweet. that's my main things at the moment. Yeah. What type of art do you make? Um, like currently a bit of everything. I'm kind of like figuring out where I want to go. Um, but I'm I've got like. I do a lot of like crochet and a bit of like woodwork and then sort of like painting, drawing, all that sort of thing. So, yeah. I don't want to sound like a broken record because I'm going to start talking about this a lot more in my podcast, but I'm getting into the NFT space. Have you ever heard about NFTs? I saw you mention it on your Instagram, but I don't know what it is. It's, it's, it's called a non-fungible token, which is like in the cryptocurrency world, they have like cryptocurrencies. This is kind of a form of cryptocurrency that's in the form of artwork. So you're able to kind of like non-fungible means. So say you have a Picasso painting and you want to sell the Picasso painting. Um, it's basically like saying like, this is the clout that this is the original Picasso painting. It's non-fungible. You cannot recreate it. So it's a single, like if you say you painted a, a, a picture um, and then I uploaded it as an NFT and it was for sale. That would be the only one for sale, which is kind of interesting. And it can, the, the code for that NFT shows that it's the original one. And as it gets traded, there's utilities on it. So I can put a utility that you get a cut of the money from whenever it gets traded or say if somebody buys that NFT, they get the actual artwork from you that you painted itself and it gets sent to them. Um, it's just kind of a really cool situation to uh, get art out there and get, because it's, it's the next way the world is kind of going with the metaverse, with Facebook and stuff, with um, just the entire, everything is going to be going online soon. So it's a way that we can take real life objects and make them into online currency, which I think is a really interesting thing. And I know it doesn't make a lot of sense. If you ever wanted to look into it a little bit more, it's kind of interesting, but I did want to talk to you after the podcast, maybe about kind of getting into this space a little bit, if you are an artist, because I'm trying to find yeah. artists who are more into this mental health, like anxiety type area who can kind of understand what my project is going to be about. And it's to kind of raise awareness and it's to get more people in the mental health like space to kind of come on board with this and be a little bit more into it because it's, it's a very exciting space and I just want to get more people involved. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. That sounds really cool. Yeah. So. Yeah, we can we can talk about that after the podcast for sure. Um, yeah. Anything else you want to share? Last remarks? Anything you want to give advice to anybody with emetophobia before we go? Um, no, I don't think I have anything. Nothing. <laughs> There's right. a lot of pressure. <laughs> no worries, no worries. All right. Well, um, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It was really nice to meet you. Okay. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It's really great to be on. Really awesome. great awesome. to yeah, talk with. I'll, I'll hit you up again for a part two sometime for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Definitely. Awesome. Awesome. We well, have a wonderful day and we'll see you again. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Super solid episode today. Really hope you guys enjoyed it. Like I said, if you did, please go down below, rate, subscribe. So we get up in the listings so that more people can find the podcast and get help with their metaphobia, or at least just find some sort of comfort in the fact that we all have it together. Um, it really sucks to be alone and you're definitely not alone in this. A lot of us have it. A lot of us are here to talk. Please, my DMs are always open on Instagram if you ever want to hit me up at the Emetophobia Podcast. Charlotte can be found over on Instagram at underscore Charlotte underscore young underscore. Um, like I said, really awesome podcast. I'm really glad to have her on the podcast. 
Um, and if you guys want to find me, you can check me out over on emetophobias.com or go to my Instagram at the emetophobia podcast. There's a link, uh, link tree down in there with all my links on it, or you can email me at the podcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much. Also on the end of this one, I just want to say Friday of this week, we are having a, um, doctor slash, um, therapist on the podcast to talk about a lot more in-depth emetophobia topics. So if you have any questions, please feel free to comment on my post on Instagram or send me an email or send me a DM. I want to get your questions out to him so he can answer them really, really thoroughly for you and bring a ton of value. So please send your messages. All right. Love you guys. See you on the next one.